Welcome to the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference podcast, presented by ESPN and 42 Analytics. This is Jessica Gelman, who along with Daryl Morey, co-founded and chair the conference with a fantastic group of MIT Sloan students each year. We are thrilled to announce the launch of this podcast network to add more avenues to grow awareness and innovation around analytics and sports. We are excited to make the panel discussions from our 2019 conference, which covers a wide range of sports and analytics topics available via podcast for the very first time. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Good afternoon and welcome to the 2019 Sloan Sports and Analytics Conference. My name is Frank Rinaldi and I'm a second year MBA student at MIT Sloan. And it is my pleasure to introduce today's panel, Competing with the Couch, Improving the Venue Experience. Our panelists are uh, Amy Latimer, president of TD Garden, Pete Giorgio, head of Deloitte's US uh, sports practice, Brian Marakian, uh, senior principal at Populous, and our moderator is Angela Ruggiero, Hockey Hall of Famer and CEO of the Sports Innovation Lab. The panel will run for 45 minutes with a total of 10 minutes at the end for Q&A. If you have questions for the panelists, please submit them via Twitter utilizing the hashtag VenueExperience. And with that, I'll kick it off to Angela. Thanks, Frank. Um, all right, so first of all, the hashtag, hashtag butts in seats. I want that to trend. I, uh, all right, hey, so Frank, get your phones out. Talk Frank, about. You can tell them to open the doors now to let all the people in. So butts in seats, what does that mean? It's an amazing experience to watch sports from home. We all know that. Um, it's easy, it's convenient, it's getting better and better every day. Um, this conference, there are a lot of panels talking about, you know, the way that you can experience um, more, more overlays, more ways to engage with content. You're, you don't have to pay a lot, right? It's, you, you can sit in your pajamas. This conference, this panel, however, is all about getting you away from your home and to the venue, right? So I have a company called the Sports Innovation Lab. Uh, we are a market research company uh, looking at the sports tech ecosystem trying to provide a, an objective analysis to that. Um, we, when we thought about what, what is the, the venue of the future look like, we call that the smart venue. So I'm gonna spend a couple of minutes explaining that, I'm gonna turn over to our panelists, have a really lively discussion around uh, what a smart venue is. We believe it's a venue that infuses technology into the fan experience, right? We're moving away from a digital or an analog experience at the, traditionally in a venue to more digital experience and technology goes throughout that whole thing. It makes it hassle-free for the fan, right? It makes it more engaging and, and ultimately memorable so that you'll come back and, and spend that time, spend that money. When you think about the venue, what are the different areas? We have some experts that are gonna walk us through this, but you have to think about services, you have to think about operations, and the building itself, right? And there's technology infused into all of these different categories. On the services side, something from ticketing, we used to have a paper ticket, now we have a digital ticket. On the operation side, something as easy as concessions, right? Can I purchase food from my seat without moving, right? That's technology. Um, and the building itself, as we're starting to think about the build out, the infrastructure, whether it's a new venue or you're upgrading, we have to think about how technology is changing. Something as easy or difficult as security, right? So that's the ecosystem we're gonna talk about today. So when we're thinking about the fan experience, how technology, this next generation of venue is evolving, um, think about it in, in three layers. The first is how do I get to the venue, right? How do I 
how can technology help me and guide me there easier, right? How could there be guided parking even? Once you're in the venue, right, what are the ways you can engage with those consumers, make it more experiential? Uh, we'll talk about the different ways to do that from make it cashless and easy um, to personalized, right? That, that's outer layer. Um, digital souvenirs, loyalty discounts, et cetera. There's all technology that's pushing the envelope here. And then finally, that middle bucket. What are the ways that the content on the field, on the ice, is actually evolving and changing? Sports betting has been brought up you know, every single day. Well, that's technology infused. Technology is going to allow you to look at that content and may perhaps have a more engaging experience. So that's what we're looking at today. One final slide I wanted to bring up is mixed use district growth. Right? So instead of thinking about a venue as just a building, the trajectory that we're seeing is this, this growth of the whole development. And Amy's on the panel today. She'll talk about TD Garden and, and the evolution that we're seeing. So those are the high-level trends and, and changes we're seeing in a smart venue. Let me start off, Amy. You're the president of TD Garden. You are crushing it. Uh, you have a huge project under your belt. Tell us your role in the smart venue, your definition of that, and, and really how you think about this, this whole ecosystem. Sure. Thanks, Angela. Uh, thank you guys for being here also for the second to last or the last panel. We feel like the closers today. Um, so we're going to make it worthwhile for you. Uh, so for us, we really look at it now from the street to the seat. Right. You know, the, our district, our, um, our area, because we're putting in uh, this new mixed-use retail at our front door, really starts much sooner. And it's actually starting in, as our guests are coming in and fans are coming into the game. So, um, you know, for us, in my role uh, as the overseeing the venue, right, so my job is to make sure it's... Um, it's a safe environment that has the right content. It has what people are looking for when they get in the building from a food and beverage standpoint, clean, all of that. But the idea is really to make it as simple as possible. We're competing with a couch. I still believe it's probably the best place communally to come together to see these events. And listen, I'm very fortunate to be in Boston. We have great teams, great success with, um, you know, on the ice and on the court, but for the concerts and the other venues and the other events that we have as well. So making it easy for people to get in, get to their seat, enjoy their content, because we don't control that. I say I can't control, you know, the Bruins win tonight or Springsteen sang your favorite song. I need to make sure everything around you is a really good um, a, a really good experience. So we invest a lot of time on those touch points with the individuals coming in, security, ticketing, parking, food and beverage, and the stuff behind the scenes that I don't think everybody, you know, thinks about from an operational standpoint as well. Um, technology and analytics are also about running an effective and efficient building, and we can, you know, talk about that a little bit more, but that's half, half of it for us. There's a revenue side, but there's also being really efficient and running a good operation. Hmm. Big, big project ahead of you. We'll get into that. Um, yeah, we'll, we can talk about it. I'm excited. <laughs> um, where, where, are our, uh, where are our Boston fans? Our Celtics and our Bruins fans? Yeah? <laughs> all right, good. Good, good, good. We were trying to understand the demographic yeah, of the yeah, audience. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. All the <laughs> How many Boston fans? I'm excited for that project. Pete, you're local. You oversee Deloitte uh, sports practice. You're, you're advising the sports ecosystem. 
And as they're thinking about uh, you know, evolving their venues as you're bringing in projects, how are you seeing this space? And tell us a little about your role there. Yeah, um, you know, it's interesting. I think, you know, uh, for me, I, I, when I think about smart venues and what a lot of, especially teams and organizations like Amy's are trying to do, th they're actually trying to sort of flip the context, right? It used to be that, that you started off and you said, I need a POS system. I need a, a system that does uh, food and beverage. I need a ticketing system. I need a, this, I need that, I need security. And, and, and attacked all those things separately. And for me, you know, I think the great thing that folks like Amy are doing now are flipping it on its head. I need to think about you guys. Right, I need to think about what's the experience that I want to create for you and you and you and you. What are the roles those things play in it? But really sort of it's that fan in view versus the technology out view, which is really I think where the magic starts to happen. Um, and then more and more like Amy, or I think you said before, it's, it's not just about how do I create a generic experience for you, right? It's how do I create a personalized experience for you that's a little different than for you than for you here too. And that's, that's, that's the hard part, but, but that's where the magic yeah. happens. And so it's a lot about helping organizations. Um, a, so, some organizations still just make that switch in the first place and, and come in with that mindset. And then B is once you sort of get there, how do you figure it out? How do you create a vision? How do you understand what that looks like? And then how do you make it real? Mm. So that's a lot of what we do. Awesome. Yeah, the, me the tech is the means to the end. Exactly. And the end is the fan, obviously. If the fan doesn't love the experience, they're not going to come. Exactly. So. Um, so, Brian, you work at Populous. You do amazing experiential. You, you really help these venues come to life, and you really think about that at all stages of, of, of that, from the planning stage, the implementation stage, working with brands. Tell us about your role at Populous and, and what you're working on and how you think about smart venues. Sure. Well, at Populous, we've been super fortunate over the years to design a lot of iconic venues that you all have probably gone to, and you know, Olympic main stadiums, and you know, ballparks, and you know, SunTrust ballpark for the Braves just opened, um, Yankee Stadium, T-Mobile Arena, you know, all across the, the the spectrum. And so, you know, I think what we've seen as as an architectural design practice is that, you know. Um, it, it, now it's about you know catering to a new audience in many respects and and you know up until really probably about 10 years ago it was very much about a traditional experience it was about an in-seat experience frankly mm -hmm. you know it was a lot about being in your seats it was in many respects somewhat static and in our buildings now are so much more dynamic because they're catering to a more experientially driven audience and and you know, all you have to do is really look at the way that consumer experiences are changing across the board, whether it's, you know, retail, what, you know, whether it's banking, whether it's, it's any type of entertainment experience now is completely about a customized, you know, experience. Nothing can be done if it's not entirely curated. And so when we think of our venues now, it's not as much about large venues with a, a massive quantity of, of seats. It's about social experiences and places for people to go and to migrate. Um, we call this mentality a choose-your-own-adventure mentality. You know, when, when this next-gen audience goes into a building, they don't necessarily want to be in their seat for the entirety of it. They want to go from place to place, destination to destination, sponsor activation to a cool club experience to, you know, some other sort of unique opportunity. And it's always changing and evolving. And so, you know, we, we certainly see that, you know, having an effect on the way that we're designing venues in traditional sports, but we're also seeing um, a major transformation in things like esports coming into the, into the market. Um, ways in which we're connecting with this next gen really is impacting, um, you know, in a really, you know, important way the way that we're thinking about the physical venue. Mm. 
Yeah, it's completely changing. And your point of experiential, I've, I've uh, read somewhere that you know, younger audiences will choose a venue or a restaurant based on their Instagram background. So <laughs> you never know. Some of this is technology. Some of this is, is just understanding the market. Um, so Amy, tell us a bit about what you're doing, the Hub on Causeway. <clears throat> Given the, the change in what the consumer wants, the fan wants, they, it has, they're more demanding. They want this personalization. And there's a thousand solutions on the market. Mm -hmm. And you're having to upgrade a building and make really important decisions. How are you thinking about um, those decisions and what's important to the fans today versus sort of what's, what's hype? Sure. So we have two projects. Um, one is um, the site of the old Boston Garden is our front door, and we have a mixed-use retail um, that we're partners with um, Boston Properties. It's a $1.2 billion project, uh, 1.6 million square feet. That project um, allows the building, our, our second project, to actually expand. We're going to expand. So most people build new or they renovate. And we've renovated. Um, we spent $70 million a few years ago. Now we're spending really $130 million on this expansion. And what that does for us is this is newfound space, right? This is new space. You go, what is the best and highest use of this space? And our team's probably over two years gone through a process to say, okay, level by level, so this, this is basically, it's 30 by 300 on nine levels. And, you know, the first level is the locker room space. That's great. We have a, you know, we're looking at some new premium products there. But we're on our, on our concourse, our public concourse spaces and our premium areas, um, and so we looked at it really from three venues, right, or three, three lenses. One is where we started this, you know, we're now a 24-year-old building. Um, what are the things that have changed over 24 years that we're missing and we need to add? What do our fans want um, and that they can give us feedback today? And then what are we building for the future? So back to those communal spaces, we didn't have a lot of spaces uh, in the TD Garden where people can just sit and, and um, get their food and beverage and just kind of you know, meet and, and hang out. Um, our food and beverage delivery is different. It's more of a grab and go um, than it is the belly up concessions. Uh, there's some of that, but it's really about getting what you want and having more variety. Um, and people like it, not only the fact that they like that they're big beers, um, but they like they can get a different variety <laughs> uh, and, and get out. We're also adding more restrooms, so that's, a, that's something that we missed, and, and primarily women's rooms, um, that we missed, um, you know, years ago, uh, and, you know, family rooms, you know, but um, I think the things that I'm most excited about is we found some spaces that were you know, uh, the top of the building for us is where typically there's media and some seats and we're building a club. But you know, what you, what you mentioned, Brian, it's for millennials. It's an open space, there are seats. We're actually gonna hang a row of seats off the top of the highest part of the building around um, this, this level nine. This new club is called Rafters because you're up in the ceiling. We're fortunate enough to be the arena with the most championship banners, so we're taking advantage of that. But the idea is it's a membership you're going to be able to buy tickets as you go. You can um, make last-minute decisions. You can go in groups. We're going to have food and beverage that there's nowhere else in the building, right? So more street food, really high-end, fun cocktails. And it's going to be the great energy in the highest part of the building, the farthest point from the ice and the parquet. But, it, and, and you know, we believe that this is, it's a, it's a product we don't have today. 
this is a group that does not want to go, as, you know, as Pete said, they don't want to go sit in a seat and here's my two seats and that's all there is. They want to have this very different experience. So it's the, the vibe and what we're building in that space is, is, re represents that. So we're really excited. We're launching it now. Um, and and you know, we think it's a good opportunity for companies that want to give associates um, the ability to go to games but don't want to manage tickets, right? They don't want to manage, here I have seats and make offers and that most companies have to have one person. This will be very seamless. The technology will allow us to just let people go on, buy the tickets and, and go enjoy the event. Yeah. So that's probably... I can't wait. So that's in the building. The front is just, you know, is mixed-use retail. It's a um, hotel, office tower, restaurant, the largest grocery store in Boston, 60,000 square feet sublevel. Um, restaurants that we're putting in, food hall, putting food hall at your front door. But we embrace it. We think that, that we raise the level of, that, of people that dwell time, and there's a, um, a movie theater that it, that perimeter on that entertainment district for us now starts much farther out than just not when they go through security. Are, is, are the t-shirt are the cannons going to be able to reach rafters? <laughs> no. no? There's a, there's we do not want anybody on. reaching There's for, an AR technology now that you can put your phone up and they'll shoot a digital version of a t-shirt and you can you can oh, there you like go. that. There so, you go. Again, yeah. we're getting so. there. I will, um, I will deliver t-shirts to the line <laughs> right, before but, I need anybody or reaching over. Can the parachutes over. come down or is it too high for well, the parachutes? Well, the parachutes would be dropping off that level. Yeah, it's too yeah, high oh, for that. Oh, they can throw the parachutes. There you go. So... So one thing I love, I'm, I'm really excited to, 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 to go to the garden and see this experience. Um, so I played in four Olympics. I won a gold medal. I've been in front of thousands of people. And you can't yes. beat, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Hockey fans, hockey fans. How about just Olympic gold medal fans? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Olympics. just that. So. But there's nothing like an athlete being on the field, being on the ice, and feeling that energy. And the fans feel that. Fans literally create that. And that, I think, is the key differentiator of watching at home versus being in that building. Mm -hmm. You feel it, you experience it, you take it home, you share it, right? And so, yet 87% of fans, Brian, have admitted to second screening. We all pull out our phones and we're checking things, and maybe it's stats about the game, maybe it's YouTube, who knows. What's the, what, what is your take on, like, you're building these experiences, you want to get fans engaged, some say it should be about just what's going on on the field, and others say, no, th this, this second screen can, can add to that. What is your take on this, yeah. this whole engagement of fans? Sure. Well, you know, you can't deny the fact that the second screen exists, right? And, and you know, and, and we love watching sports because of the, the power of, you know, the, the experience at home as much as we, we love it in, in venue. And, and I think, you know, part of the issue is, um, you know, and I, and I think the NFL has done a pretty good job of this, is, is that the, the power of, of, of the NFL broadcast is such that you have all these wonderful elements that, that, that enrich the, the experience of watching it, whether it's, you know, AR with, you know, the integration of the, the yellow first down line and all the sort of, you know, in-game statistics, certainly, you know, elements like, um, you know, fantasy football and, and everything else that accompanies the experience of, of watching and being a fan of the NFL. The key is, is, is not to strip that away. It, it, it's bring it into the venue. And, and, and when, you, when you have fans that are accustomed to that and sitting at home or wherever and watching you know, sports or consuming that content on their mobile device or their tablet or, or wherever, um, what we need to do is we need to bring that experience into the venue and be able to bring those same sort of elements that those fans are accustomed to in terms of having at home, right at their fingertips, and bring that in, into, the, into the stadium experience. Because the issue is, is that people don't like to 
basically leave that at home or leave that in the parking lot. And when they walk into the venue, they don't have that same type of experience they're accustomed to. So I think that's really kind of the you know, fundamental thing that, that, that we're thinking about, you know, we're thinking about, you know, design of the venue, of course, but then the integration of the right types of technology that allows that to happen. And I think that, you know, in the future, certainly, there are going to be a number of advances around things like, you know, augmented reality, you know, next generation of, of, of optics, where people can, you know, potentially wear, you know, glasses or whatever, where they can map physically on the environment all the stuff that they see in a, in a home broadcast when they're watching Fox or CBS, right? Um, those sort of things, I think, are going to happen incrementally over time. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I think you mentioned it earlier, there, there's nothing that, that changes, um, uh, you know, going to a place to be with fans. You know, you want to be there. You want to have that social experience. You want to be next to somebody and, and become a best friend, you know. Um, when, Maybe when, through when, this upper deck now. You have more deck, yeah. right? You know, and, and you want to have that inside access. Yeah. To that experience with that athlete, and and I think there are ways that that physically happens, and ways that's going to happen in a virtual space as well. But in the future, these venues certainly are going to need to adapt more to to, to bring that together. It's funny because this comes up a lot with with the teams that we work with, and I always laugh because um, there are some teams who are really embracing second screen. There's other teams that that are really pushing back against it. I usually explain to them that it's actually not in a sports venue. It's actually not your second screen. It's your third screen. It is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. There is a second screen that that we've had forever at sports events. Right. And 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 I try to explain to them. Listen, the same way you think about your your jumbotron as part of the experience, you got to think about the phone too. Um, and that usually they're like, oh yeah, uh, which is interesting. But I but I think the other interesting thing, and and Brian was talking about this, is this is just a step on a journey, mm -hmm. right? That phone, you know, ten years from now, you're gonna be like, man, I used to carry around that big heavy thing that only had a screen this big. You know, when when you know when they fix glasses, and it's coming, right? Apple's well, working on it. Well, 5G is gonna revolutionize yeah. right? all of that. I yeah. mean, no you're, you, you, I, you won't even need jumbotrons yeah. anymore. The stadium will become, you know, an entire canvas on which you can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. um, and it, I think that, you know, that's the interesting part. And at that point, it's just going to be second nature, right? Mm -hmm. It's going and it's going to be expected. Too. But it's hard. So when you're the team, yeah. So we went through this, and um, my role was, you know, overseeing sales and marketing for the Bruins. It's hard when you're the team to acknowledge that not everybody should just be looking at the ice or, you know, the entire time. And we actually did some commercials way back when we were doing this like fan avidity, and it was. Um, that we actually had our uh, Bruins bear chase a guy who was on his phone, and you know you see him thrown over his head. <laughs> and three years later, I'm spending millions of dollars to put data points uh, all around the building to make sure people can use their yeah. phones. Yeah. Like we actually put them in the glass, um, so people Wi-Fi, so people that sitting the closest could actually use their phones because they were usually the ones yeah. that didn't have access. Yeah. Um, so you just you have to embrace it. It's, yeah. it's yeah. Tell happening. us about that because you know I I use the example if if I go to a park and I can't download my digital ticket I get mad at the Bruins. If I'm in there and the and the food wasn't good I get mad that like you associate all of these pain points with the team yet the solutions themselves like maybe the technology isn't there. How the fans are so demanding they're going to say I want this I want a seamless experience and you're having to make these trade offs and. How are you working through that, Amy? Because obviously the technology's catching up, but the fans are, you know, they're used to an experience at home. They want it frictionless today. Yeah. So one, I think you partner with the teams, right? Yeah. Because 
um, their fans that we share them, right? And, and they're delivering the content and we're delivering the experience. So um, <laughs> yes, it's difficult. Like again, we put in millions of dollars worth of Wi-Fi, not for anybody to do business, right? Yes, we ended up needing for the media and your ticketing, but it was really for everybody just for their Instagram and, and Facebook photos. So yep. the ROI on that is not necessarily <laughs> fantastic, but you need it because um, that's part of their experience. But then you start to capture information mm -hmm. as part of that and you and really what's the holy grail of all of this is understanding who those fans are yeah. the fans that are actually in your venue and what their touch points are what their behaviors are how can you start to affect them so the technology can help deliver that experience but also help you understand and, and improve those behaviors right so yes the screens and and putting in you know most again, people are spending a ton of money on on video scoreboards to have a great experience, and the products right there. Some of them are so good you stare at the screen yeah. more than yeah. you look. Yeah, you have, and I'd love to think talk this through a little bit with the panel. So there's a the fans are very demanding, but in the process of building this, you're you're building your your CRM systems, your data and analytics, and we're seeing uh, people like Jen Compton that have the title Chief Innovation Officer. Mm -hmm increasingly be a part of that experience. Josh Brickman, our, our Vice President of Business Strategy, is in, in, there, is in the house. As well? You but need to have those positions. No, but, but having, but smart ownership saying, look, we need to have a person dedicated to understanding who our fans are and personalizing that experience. What's, what's the experience for the panel on that trajectory in sports and the necessity? We're at an analytics conference. I'm a believer, but is, is, the, is the industry embracing it? I think it's slow. I think it's, you know, I think we, um, you know, Deloitte, we, we kind of see sports at a similar place that we saw uh, industries like retail and consumer products and things like that on this sort of customer understanding journey. Um, you know, I think 10 years from now, um, a team, uh, you know, teams are going to have to stop b being satisfied with uh, comments like we have 10 million fans worldwide, but we only have 200,000 of them in our database. Like that, that, that'll be unacceptable to a, to, you know, 10 years from now, things like that too. So I think it's a journey. It's a journey because it's not, a, the, the hard part for most teams is it's not cheap, right? To build that technology to do those things is, is expensive too. Mm -hmm. And teams, you know, uh, you know, for, let's be real, they're small to medium-sized businesses for the most part in terms of, of the actual operations. Um, and so, you know, I think it's a journey and I think we'll get there, but I think it's gonna be more and more and more important. Um, especially if you're, if you're Amy and you're, you're saying, I'm expected, how many, if, if I go to Amazon tomorrow and it doesn't remember the last three things that I bought, I'm pissed, right? If, uh, if, if it's Starbucks, the app that I have doesn't let me just click on my order again, I'm upset, right? And that's the expectations that it's, all of you oh, yeah. and all of us bring you know, into TD Garden and all of these places now is that type of recognition, that type of experience. And the only way you do that is if we know who each other is. I know, know what you drink. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it is so, very clear yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what your order is. Uh, Brian, tell me about, you're doing a lot of work in esports, building out the infrastructure. Um, and I love esports from the sense that like, it's a digital first sport. I think the traditional sports is leaning into esports because they're capturing this younger audience and they're doing it in a very innovative, engaging, um, different way than traditional sports because again, think of it as a digital first sport versus a traditional, you know, I gotta run around sport. You have, you have the data, you have platforms to engage fans. So now we're putting that from digital into physical, into a venue. How are you thinking about when you're constructing this, when you're, when you're envisioning what those fans want versus traditional, are they different? Are they the same? 
give, give the audience a perspective on, on the venue of the future for, sure. for eSports. You know, well, we started looking at, at eSports and, and what it was going to mean for physical venues probably about five years ago, mm -hmm. actually. And I remember distinctly having a conversation with some of our, our friends at Goldman Sachs, and they said, you know, we're really looking at eSports, and, and, and you know, it's, the, the numbers are just super compelling. You know, you should be looking at it, too. And, and, and you know, we started to, to really delve into, um, you know, what does that mean, you know, to take a, a, a digital-first, you know, entertainment experience, and how does that translate to a physical venue? And, and, and of course, you know, we, we were able to, you know, leverage, you know, all the years of designing traditional sports venues and, and, and finding that way to... to um, to transition that into in this digital realm, but the big the big key is is that you know this audience is 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 super attractive for so many reasons. You know they're they're young and they're they're fluent and frankly for for every traditional you know sports team mm -hmm. they're the audience that, that that they want right and which is why there's so much investment on the traditional sports side. Um, we were really fortunate um, earlier this year um, to to be hired to do a, an esports stadium venue in, in Arlington, Texas. Um, we worked with Neil Liebman. He purchased um, Majority Stake in a, in a big esports company that has teams that are competing in Overwatch League and League of Legends and things of that nature. And um, it is just a it's a it's a really really interesting um, uh, environment to study right now. I mean, when you look at the digital platforms like YouTube and Twitch, mm -hmm. you're seeing that the rapid sort of growth mm -hmm. that's happening just from a, a viewership perspective. You're seeing stars starting to emerge now in esports. Guys like Ninja that are, mm -hmm. you know, earning twenty million dollars mm -hmm. a year to, to to stream video games. You you look at Fortnite uh, artists like Marshmello are having virtual mm -hmm. concerts inside the game. That, if people don't know what that is, like Google Marshmallow Fortnite, <laughs> honestly, it's, it's it was game changing. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. And again, traditional sports trying to mimic what esports is already doing. And so it, it's really that 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 merging of, of, of the virtual mm -hmm. space um, with entertainment, connecting with this audience. Mm -hmm. And so when you then parlay that into a, a into a physical environment. Um, it's it's really really interesting to see where that goes. But in terms of the fans themselves, they are very much like traditional fans, but they're very different in a lot of respects. And, and when you go to an event, um, you know one of the things that we see, for instance, is that sight lines, for instance, are totally different. Like in, in, a, in a normal you know spectator event, you want to have the Jack and Nicholson seats. You want to be on the court. You want to be as close to the action as possible. In esports, actually, what we see is fans like to sit further back in the bowl or even so in the upper bowl. That because of an optimized yeah, sightline yeah, yeah. to the screen. It's, it's different. Um, there's also unique nuances around the games. A lot of times, you know, you're not, it, it isn't really about like a, a, you know, an NHL event where you know you're gonna be in your seat for three hours or two and a half hours, whatever it is. It can be an eight to 10 hour experience with very strange irregular gaps in between. And so you have to think about social experiences around the perimeter, you know, so that people can go migrate, come back and forth, have the meet and greets, you know, do the sort of fun things, you know, culturally. There's a lot of elements that, that are different, but, but they are the same. You know, it's a virtual experience, but they're there for that social communal element, just mm -hmm. like, like every sport. And they're there to be with their friends and they're there to experience it together. So I think it's, um, it, it's, it's gonna be very fascinating to see where, where we head over the course of the next 10 years. It's still very formative right now, mm -hmm. but um, in terms of the venues of the future, I think we're gonna be very surprised to see where, what happens. And if I could just add, we hosted League of Legends Championship Labor Day weekend, which seems to be the kiss of death for an event, right? That nobody wants to have an event Labor Day weekend. And um, we had 12,000 people. And when um, 
you know, when we met about the event and what is the best thing we can do to make sure it's a good experience. One, it was, it is so long. Make sure you don't run out of food and drink and water and everything. Um, and make sure you're prepared for cosplay. Like, there are costumes. And people are going to bring in weapons, and they're not really weapons, so you've got to let them in. We're like, okay. <laughs> so, you know, um, and we had, um, we actually had... Um, uh, costume repair in our customer service area for anybody that had so issues. Just, is that just duct tape? Or? It was just <laughs> not going to, yeah. Okay. And then, and actually still, even something you, you tie back to, you would never think for an event like this, there were still people that wanted to make posters about their events. And you think, this is such a high tech, and that's such an old school event. Um, it was fascinating, and the setup is amazing, and the Fans are so engaged, and it's a, it was yeah, a huge also, learning. It's also a whole different merch scene, right? Yeah. Well, the merch was, yeah. yeah, thank you for reminding me. The yeah. merch was, um, it, uh, that was, it was an experience. Um, like, it was, I can't even, maybe it's like a, an NBA finals or a Stanley Cup playoff. That's how the merch, yeah. and it was fast, and it was quick, and it was gone. Right. Like, it was, it was a, you're right, it was a really big, and not a lot of alcohol. So just different kind of mix. You're right. Than, right. Uh, not like a hockey fan. Not like not <laughs> like the hockey fans. Can, can I ask a question? Yeah, I'm please. curious, Brad. As you guys think of populace about, I mean, you guys are really around creating these experiences and these physical experiences. Do you guys ever see yourselves creating an experience inside Fortnite, like designing designing experience yeah. inside one of these games? You know, it's that that's a that's a really good question. So um, when we were when we were designing um, esports stadium in Arlington. We were actually working with a group that um, were the developers of, of Second Life. If you remember that game yeah, that was really popular yeah, yeah. Oh in the gosh. early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people basically by avatar. Were, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, there are people that, you know, have, it's all user generated. We had a world, second right? arena. We tried to build a second arena. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what? Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what we did, yeah. right? And so, so it's really fascinating because the, the philosophy was let's build this, the stadium virtually allow a ticketing platform that, that really exports that experience everywhere around the globe, knowing that, that you know, in this case, eSports is a very global audience, mm. and somebody that's in Sydney, Australia, or Seoul, Korea, or you know, here in Boston can go into the venue virtually via avatar, can make purchases, can basically stand in a space, can talk to somebody right next to them, um, and can watch an event virtually in, in the venue. It's pretty interesting. I mm -hmm. mean, and, and you know, that's a small scale kind of like um, example. Could that translate, you know, in, into, you know, into the garden? You know, you don't know. I mean, it, it could um, sure. potentially. And so, but I think it goes to a broader sort of point of, of how do we leverage technology to ultimately bring people together? Mm -hmm. How do you export it well beyond the boundaries of the venue itself? Mm -hmm. And if you talk to any, you know, ownership group, they will tell you, you know, we have a, obviously a vast amount of fans that will never come into the venue for a whole right. host of reasons. Many of which, you know, geographically are in places that it's just gonna be impossible. Some kid in China may be the, the biggest hockey fan in the world, but may never have that experience of being able to go physically into the venue. How can we leverage technology to do that? I think there's, there's so a lot of So question on that though, because so I spent eight years on the IOC and we had to make massive purchasing decisions years before the games, right? And to your point of most people will never see an Olympics live. Right, 99.9% .9 of the population will just watch at home. And so, versus, Amy, you've got to fill the, the bowl every single day, maybe local. Every day this week. Every, every day. day. You're busy. Oh, really? So, we're talking today about, you know, getting people out of their seats at home, which what you just discussed seems amazing. I want to experience that. I'm not going anywhere. And, and, but they're, 
they're both revenue streams, whether it's a ticket or the ticket at home, whether it's watching uh, live or watching you know, live at home, there's this conflict right now and in, 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 in it's a new revenue stream per, perhaps, but is it, is it cannibalizing your, your ticket, getting you to the venue? So I, I'm just I'm curious, we're talking about getting people into the venue, paying for that amazing new experience that's coming and all this technology is allowing this seamless, frictionless, you know, emotional experience to happen, yet Fortnite, these, these experiences are pretty compelling, um, but they could be another revenue stream. How are, how are teams and leagues thinking about this? Anyone? Uh, uh, <laughs> it's, so it's, it's an opportunity, but it's kind of a threat. It is, uh, it is, although I, and I don't know, I'm curious. Or maybe it's not, answer. maybe yeah. it's not I mean, for, I the, actually for the think, global properties. Uh, I actually think they're, I think they are, I think they are two similar but very different things. I think they, I, again, I, and I think this is becoming more prevalent. There is something about the shared experience of sitting with 20,000, 40,000, 110,000 people in an open air or group setting that is just different, right? And, and maybe virtual reality will eventually get to the point where you can't tell the difference. Um, but I think until then, there's just, there's something about that moment. There's something about, and you know, sitting at Fenway and doing that, yeah. sitting in the garden. You were and, there. And, you were there when something happened. Yeah. Right, yeah. And, 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 but, and also we were there. Right. Right, that it's, the, it's this sort of cool kind of, um, you know, and, and, and I think there's something just, you know, mammalian about us that sort of enjoys yeah. that and sort of will always like that. And we'll like Fortnite, right? Yeah. And like going to the movies, and like you know, I think there's there's and the I social think, component. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. and I think the more and more you see a lot of folks, and maybe you had a great example with the Rafters place, where you actually are trying to create more opportunities for that communal experience, right? Mm -hmm. um, a lot of a lot of arenas are doing um, uh, more larger general admission sections, right? Where literally people they found that people who meet in tailgates they want to sit together, mm -hmm. right? And they want to be able to yeah. hang out and sort of do this somewhat organically, and sort of giving people that option yeah. sort of feeding that rather so, than sort of So let's it. talk about that then. Again, this movement from building to mixed-use district. Um, we've seen from 10 to 26 of these mixed-use development projects uh, in the last five years and another, I think, 10 are due in the next six years. So um, what's the trajectory here? Is that all about bringing people together and creating this entertainment ecosystem? Uh, 100%. Um, I mean, that's what you're building today. That's, do, that, do you think you're going to sell more Bruins, more Celtics, more concert tickets because, I mean, obviously, I'm answering the question, because you have a grocery store and you have a movie theater and you have... Yeah, I don't think the star market does that for anybody, I mean, but I think, that, <laughs> I think the idea that... This is an entertainment district, yeah. right? And there, um, and now this building is is the TD Garden is part of it, but there's there's uh, you know I did mention there's also a live music venue for 1,500 people that sits at our front door along with the movie theater and everything. So I think what it does to that experience is it makes it. Um, holistic for people. There, so many people decide still even last minute to this day. So they like might go down, get drinks, meet somebody, and go. Hey, do you want to go see? You know, go up and, uh, and watch a game, do get tickets or concerts. So I just I feel like the right. Like the, there's the reason why that trend is happening, right? It's not that people just come to the event and leave. You want that dwell time to extend. You want them to feel good about coming to that space. And we're fortunate because we're on a transportation hub. So people are taking the train. People are 
taking the tea, that flexibility. Mm-hmm. I, I think you, it, it's, I don't see how places and, and arenas aren't going to have that going forward. Yeah. Maybe football can survive because of the tailgating and, and the frequency it. of games versus everything, mm-hmm. you know. They have it in Foxborough. Right, so. right. Yeah. And, well, the, the funny part, too, the hard part for you has got to be that it's hard enough to cultivate and, and create an experience in just the arena. Now you've yeah. got to create an experience for this entire district, right? And, and sort of connect the dots in a bunch of But places. you'd like to do that. So you want to have loyalty extend to that space, right? Yep. So if they go out to the food hall or they go into the restaurant, can you start to um, start your loyalty yep. there, right? And start to give them, you know, benefits for doing that. Yeah, before, even if they don't show. You know who they are. You're, you're, it's all integrated. And you want, and that, that retail experience or that area has to work on non-event days too, yep. right? So you need to make sure that you know, we close to have 200 events, but there's 150 days yep. that you still need to drive everybody else to that space. Yeah, you hit it. it, it it's 365 activation, yeah. right? And and it's it's that critical mass, and and we we are in our you know territory now where everything is kind of a hybrid experience, and so being able to get people. You know, to a development and get them there early. They can, you know, grab a drink. They can have dinner. They can go to some different entertainment experience. They can go to a game. They can mm-hmm. go and do something else. You want to capture that. You want to have that wide net destination. That, that that's destinational. And mm-hmm. you know, very few of our projects now are, are not part of a, a broader scale development strategy. It's yep. very, it's a rarity, frankly. And it, it all goes to that to that point. And I think the venues itself just the boundaries are sort of dissolving a little bit between what the venue is and what the entertainment district is yeah. as well. They're really kind of merging together, which goes again to that point of, of creating activation around your venue and in your venue at all times. Yeah, you're paying for an experience at the end of the day, a memorable, yeah. shareable. Yeah. But, but what it, it does, one thing I will say, it changes your perimeter, so now security and some other things, it, it just yeah, changes. Actually, yeah. So I want to turn it's over yeah. audience yeah. questions, but before we do that, um, I just want to touch on security, because we're talking a lot about engagement and all the wonderful things, but security is is the venue of the future. It's whether it's drone technology, whether it's uh, biometric sensors. Um, maybe Amy, you can talk a little bit how you're thinking. You're, you are on top of, you know. When it, <laughs> I say to everybody, we're on top of train station. You got on top everything. of a parking garage, on top of train station, next to a federal building, yeah, next, next to a highway to, with yeah. a construction but site. But you want to feel front. safe as a fan. It's it is one of the factors. Not to like, scare anybody. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to do that. With big huge <laughs> but, trucks coming in and out every day. But so. we, you have to think about that now, right? And now we've seen incidents. It's not just on the in. It's yeah. on the out. And you need to be, you need to be thoughtful about that whole space. And um, you know, I said. It's interesting because we don't allow bags in the venue, but right below you can wheel a suitcase in, yep. right? So yep. you've got to start to be thoughtful about. Yep. But we still have to protect, you know, our guests in the arena, so that that opportunity um, to to make it a little bit better yep. helps. So now, yes, yeah, so we're magnetometers, you know, divesting tables. You're trying to do it in a good way, but I think that you know we are looking at what are the biometrics. If you're already registered, how do you get in? Um, it just it's it's still one of the most mm-hmm. concerning things, and it's it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's really hard, and there's a lot of the relationship with the NBA and the NHL, and making sure that you know they're coming shop you, and you're doing everything your best, and training your associates. It's 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 probably mm-hmm. you know it's the if you ask me what keeps me up at night, that's that's it's probably security. security. Yeah, but there are again, it, looking to the rest of the ecosystem, that is a big piece that's seeing the opportunity and, and, and need in the sports space. I mean, to yeah. get people to the venue. Um, all right, a, I got Oh, sorry, okay. Go. I was just saying, it, it's hard, because success is nothing happening. 
Like you spent right. all this money on something that you hope has no result. Yeah, no. and you test and learn to try to see yeah. what's gonna what's what's gonna work. All right, so testing and learning, a lot of cool stuff. I'm excited. I want to go to the venue. I'm hearing about all this really cool stuff that's hitting the the next gen, the smart venue. A um, couple questions from the audience. Um, can venues be involved in sports betting, or have they already missed the boat with DraftKings, FanDuel, etc.? There's obviously a huge infrastructure need first and foremost to get real-time, low-latency feeds so that you can bet. Like, is that going to be the future of the venue? Some owners are investing it. Some are saying, hey, I'm going to wait and see how this pans out. Is sports betting part of the, fan, the, the venue of the future? Yes. Okay, thank you, yes. that was easy. Yes, and hopefully Why? just mobile. What will it do? I think it's just mobile. I'm not sure that people, maybe there's spaces dedicated to it, but I'd rather it, it be mobile, people get the information they want, and you're right, it's really about that real-time um, information, but I just think that's gonna be part of the experience. Um, you know, I, I raised three teenagers that live for their fantasy. And talk about two screen, three screen, we could be five screen on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, and that's just part of what they do. It's, it's part of their, mm -hmm. it's, that's part of their community with their friends. I, and, and, yeah. and they're watching, in ways, they're watching games they never would have cared about before, yeah. understand players. I, 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 I think it's absolutely part of the DNA mm -hmm. going forward. Well, and it is already. I mean, yeah. you know, in New Jersey. Yeah. Right. right. Well, in your arena, somebody right. could bet on a game in New Jersey today on their Yeah, well, I think Massachusetts will make a decision this year. Not to mention Europe. This is like yeah. way ahead. Oh, oh yeah. come on. Yeah. Sports betting? I put five quid on a game every other right. day. Yeah. No big deal. It's concession stand, it's and then there's the, bet, the betting windows right look, next look, door. I, I agree. I mean, and, and I, think, I think it is mobile, but, but I also think that, that there are going to be some interesting sort of ways that we can think about integrating it in, into, you know, small lounge type environments in the venue. Maybe, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a hybrid sports book type of mega bar, you know, a sports bar that could be on the periphery of, mm -hmm. of a venue. There's, there, there's different ways that, you know, could be explored. Um, so you can kind of have, have best yeah. of both worlds. Yeah. But, but absolutely, the, the mobile piece of it is, is going to be super critical. Brian or Pete, what's an, what is a venue outside of the U.S. that you would consider a model venue? What's a venue? I would, I would say um, one of our projects um, right now under construction, uh, Tottenham, will be, in mm. a, will be a model venue. And, 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 and I say that just because of the the way that it will be you know, a best-in-class venue for the NFL and for English Premier League. And, and I think moving forward, I mean, it is just going to be super technology-rich. Um, all the things that we're talking about in terms of these, these, these social experiences, premium environments, destinational elements around the venue, um, the way it's integrated into the, into the city itself, mm -hmm. I really think Tottenham, um, especially in Europe, will, will, set, will set a new standard. Mm -hmm. What about AR? AR VR, how is it? How can VR or AR become suitable for in-game attendance? I, I, Brian brought up something really, I, people always ask me all the time, when's AR gonna be here? When's <laughs> AR gonna be here? And Brian brought up something really interesting before, which is AR has been here. It's already for, here. I mean, the, the, I mean. Did you drive here? I, it, it, well, but also the yellow line, right? The yellow, that's, that's augmented right. reality in existence. I, but I, I'm a huge fan of AR. Um, I, I think it, it's gonna transform what we do. Um, I actually think some of the interesting places you'll see it too is I think I think in arenas it'll be great, but actually I think one of the greatest places and the PGA is playing with this is golf uh, mm. golf uh, golf events, mm. right? I mean, I, how many of you have been to a golf event where how much time do you spend saying, "Wait, who's that? Who's that down there?" And right. what club are they holding? And have they hit the ball yet? And all of a sudden, thump, 
Right. Like, oh wait, there's whose like, ball was that? Whose yeah. ball was that? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know it was in, like. I think like that type of experience. Um, you know, and it's already changing some things. I think in the arenas it's going to be great too, but I actually think it's going to change a whole bunch of different venues. Mm -hmm. so. yeah. I think AR is, um, I'll just jump, I, I think that, that it's more natural because it's, it's, <laughs> it's already part of, of how we watch sports. We're so accustomed to it. It's so, you know, again, you, whether it's golf or football or baseball, you know, we're so accustomed to all that information being overlaid into the experience. And so when people go to a live event, you know, they don't have it. But but there is there's the opportunity if that it was more part of part of it where you could hold up your, your yeah. device you could see statistics you know that's being mapped over into an environment I think that that's that, that's a real opportunity but you know VR we struggle with a little bit frankly um, because the devices them, themselves are inhibiting and in many ways it still is an isolating experience now the things we were talking about where you can use it to bring people together communally I think there's there's mm -hmm. there's something there. But, but I was but told VR's, it's, it's hard it's to tough. drink a beer with, with it is it. It is a headset yeah, yeah, yeah. on. It is. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think AR is, is definitely the play now yeah. and, and into the future. I, you brought it before, the, um, the marshmallow thing on mm -hmm. Fortnite. Yeah. I think the coolest thing about the whole marshmallow thing is but th that they did it, but what was it, 2 million or 1.5 million people went to that concert? Mm -hmm. 20 at a time. Yeah. Right. It wasn't right. like it didn't show an arena right. with 1.5 million right. people in it. It was you and 19 of your friends who were at that concert. Right. I think that's going to start getting interesting. But again, I think it's the technology's not there. I think AR will be. So AR can plausibly bring more of the statistics, the data, the overlays in the venue, because now you're able to actually engage with the content that you're seeing on the field, on the ice, um, and you can only get that at home today with yeah. mm -hmm. with maybe. You know sure. all your screens yeah. and and the fantastic job, quite frankly, that the broadcasters are doing. Yeah. Um, so AR, so AR, sports betting, or VR. What, what would you invest in? Or esports? Pick one. Esports. Uh, esports. Esports. And then AR. Okay. Will yeah. Will esports transform the current venue? Not a separate esports venue. That we're looking. Sports Innovation Lab. We've been looking at like. If, if there's a tremendous amount of processing power and digital activation and you know s massive screens for that eSports experience, will that, could that shape and will that push traditional sports venues to accelerate adoption of tech and you know 5G and other is, is eSports going to fundamentally change traditional sports or, or are you going to do see what you're seeing is they're actually going to just be separate? I, well, it, it, I think the really interesting thing about that question is, I would actually argue the esports venue right now is Twitch, yeah. right? Is YouTube, and I, I think it'll be really interesting to see how traditional sports learns from that. I think they'll still continue. It's not to about do. the live event for them. Let's yeah, be perfectly yeah. honest. Otherwise, yeah. you wouldn't, you know, building 3,500, 5,000 yeah. person venues. It's not about the, yeah. li the live event needs to happen for everybody else to participate. Yeah. And I think most arenas like we were able to, to host it, right? We had the technology. I think you, you're getting smarter about technology, not just for esports, but for everything that's yeah, coming yeah. in, right? Every, there's more demand for playoffs. And uh, it, so I think you have got a technology roadmap, whether it's esports or not. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, have to, you have to adapt. Mm -hmm. But I, I, think, I think traditional sports is gonna learn a ton from esports yeah. Yeah. along those yeah. lines too. They okay. already are. All right. What about the integration? Um, again, we're, we're moving quickly to adopt technology, and, and how are all these providers going to integrate? Because they need to, right, at some point. So we have an interesting one. Um, I know this sounds 
you know, basic, but we just put in smart elevators. We're the first one in the country that just put in these new elevators that, and we needed to work with our vendors, um, Ticketmaster and others to make this, you know, come together. So we had right. an elevator company, but Ticketmaster, so what happens now is when you come into our Boston Garden Society, which is um, really formerly our premium, you're gonna scan your ticket, um, mobile, uh, hard tickets are fine, and then it's gonna give you what elevator, a bank of six elevators, which one to go to, and it's gonna take you directly to your floor. That is no easy, that sounds like an easy task because you go to all these office buildings and people swipe their badge and they know that that badge goes to the five. Well, ticketing is a whole different story now, right? Um, uh, so that was a, a, a lot of people coming together yeah. to make elevators to make yeah. get to that guest I experience. I think that's a really interesting example because I see, the, if there's friction along the way to getting to the venue, and you don't experience that in your daily life, like to your point, I go to office buildings, I plug in, it right. takes me to the elevator, or I'm used to uploading photos and sharing things, and if I can't have the same exact experience that I have outside the venue, inside the venue, yes. that's, that's yes. what you're battling, that's what yes. we're talking about today, yes. right? Yeah. There's also too, and I'm sure you deal with this all, there's the unsexy side of part of this too, right? Yeah. It's one thing to get the technologies integrated working together, it's another thing to, I mean, uh, how, how hard was it to get hot food to seats for, you know, direct-to-seat ordering, sure. right? Like sure. just the processes and the sure. people and the stuff that none of us ever see. Or to have parking, ticketing, <laughs> mobile, mobile food ordering, and then yep. retail. Like it's an ecosystem that it takes so many different people behind yeah. the scenes to yeah. get that all to work. And people just, to your point, people just expect it. And, yeah. and it's, it's changing it's so rapidly. That, that's, that, that's one of the biggest challenges, obviously. I mean... Just over 10 years ago, we didn't have the iPhone, right? right? I mean, what was that, 2008? And, you know, and so it's, it's you know, when you look at just the, the rapid change in technology itself, you know, we always are trying to look as, as far as we can into the, into the crystal ball, you know, what's happening, what's coming, you know, 5G, um, you know, even a few years ago, you know, it was, it, it, it was, it was, it was difficult to get high-density Wi-Fi in, 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 in these <laughs> venues, right? right? And, and, and now, now you have to upgrade again. And now it's just an expectation. <laughs> no. It's like running water or electricity, yeah, yeah. you know, for fans. All we because, do is upgrade. You know, <laughs> it's all so, we do. So, you know, it's streaming content is changing. There's all sorts of things that are changing. And you mentioned it. You know, people want to be able to step inside the venue and have every aspect of it live like it does in their home environment or, or sure. wherever else it is. And so, yes, a lot of it, you know, goes into what is that technological backbone that mm -hmm. works. Um, having those conversations up front. Um, you know, having the right team that's thinking about all those issues. Um, it is super complex. The challenges are, are super complex. But you have to have the ability to, to add to it. You have to have sort of the pipeline in place yep. that you can plug in and, and bolt on the parts as necessary. But it, it, it takes a lot of planning. Yeah, you're, you're, we talk a lot about a smart venue is a smart city. At the end of the day, mm -hmm. you're planning in a way such that you're, you're a city planner now. You have to integrate and you're upgrading every single day back to the fan. What does the fan want? And that changes so, so rapidly. Mm -hmm. um, we've only got a minute left. I want, any of you guys can take a crack at, what does the future look like? Give me that fan journey before, during, and after. What's, what, what's, the, what's the future look like for fans? Or what should it look like? I think, the coolest thing, I, I think the coolest thing that's going to happen is um, you're going to start to see artificial intelligence starting to play a role in mm -hmm. these things too. And you know, all of us are now used to going home and talking to a box that sits on our counter and it's doing stuff for us. How does, how does once we know stuff about people, how do we create that type of experience in arenas? Mm -hmm. I think that'll be cool yeah. to see And do you think goes. the sports fan will 
will willingly give up their data because they actually believe they've got that association, that trust with a brand. That's what I think. I think sports has a huge lead in like, take it all, give me yes. custom beer, yes. give me yes. more merch, I love it. Yeah. Give me those things that I can't buy somewhere, yeah. right? Yeah. Give me that information, give me that touch point, give me the, we have stuff, right? Mm -hmm. it's, we have so much stuff, we have players, we have access, we have all these sort of things yeah. that we can leverage to get that data. It's really about organizing it and making it worthwhile yeah. awesome. for everybody. The other thing I'd say too is, um, I think the venue of the future is, is the venue of the past in many respects. I think it's the same principles of, you know, a thousand years ago in the Roman Colosseum. The venue of the future has to ultimately be about a place that people want to be mm -hmm. together for an experience, right? Mm -hmm. And it's about that social, memorable experience of being with somebody else. That's what's in our human yeah. DNA. And so while we have all those elements, you know, of, of, that are going to enhance it through technology, through con consumer experiences, all these wonderful things that are going to be part of it and additive, Creating great venue that people just want to be together and watch an event, no matter what it like is, it's it's has to be what it is. If it's not right? fun, yeah. they're not like that's our whole job yeah. here. We're not saving lives, right? It's about making it fun and having a good experience. It's. I, by the way, I think Brian wants to bring gladiators to the garden. I do. Yeah. Cool, or, I love that. So. No, yeah, so I want to say right? <laughs> that's right. I want to say thank you to our panelists, giving us a view, a glimpse into the future venue, and uh, getting people from home. Butts and seats. Is it trending? Is it trending? Thank you, guys. <laughs> All right. Round of applause for everyone. Thank you. If you want to hear these panels in person next year on March 6th and 7th, 2020 in Boston, please register for the 14th annual MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference at sloansportsconference.com. This recording is the property of 42 Analytics and may not be published, broadcast, rewritten, or redistributed without the express written consent of 42 Analytics. Any opinions expressed by panelists are their own and do not represent the beliefs of the conference, 42 Analytics, or the MIT Sloan School of Management. 42 Analytics Educational, Inc. reserves all rights in the content.